Welcome to the St. Andrews Community Live Interactive Podcast. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And now for your hosts, for your spiritual hour of power, Pastors D.A. Bennett and Josh Coates. Well, good afternoon, friends, and welcome to this week's podcast for St. Andrews. So glad that you're able to join us. Those of you that are joining us live, if you have questions, please, please respond. Let Jeff know what your questions are and let us be able to to deal with the the itch you have so we can scratch that. If you're watching this on demand, we hope everybody asks the questions that you wanted to ask yourself. But if not, you can always uh, send us a text or an email and say, hey, can y'all talk about this? This is a way of helping all of us to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. And of course, in studio with me, as always, is Josh Coates, our pastor of discipleship and behind the scenes is Jeff. Jeff, we're going to hear more from Josh later. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, doing good. Getting excited for next week, you know, uh, ready for for some good food. You know, what, what, are your, what are your guys' favorite, like, side dishes for Thanksgiving? Ooh, favorite side dish. Man, that's a good question. I like the uh I don't know there's there's a specific type of noodle uh <laughs> that I like. Um it's it's uh noodles for Thanksgiving. It, chicken? It's, uh, is it a chicken noodle? The, the I mean egg chicken yolks? chicken is a part of it, but I, I don't know the the I mean I'm I don't know my I I bet it's that no yolks noodle. Maybe. You know, it's made out of yeah, egg whites yeah. and It's like the, really thick. They're kind of thick, and they're you get them in the frozen section. Oh no, no, oh, no. that's not them. Then no. yeah, it's a bag of frozen noodles. Someone <laughs> watching right now will know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about, and they'll be able to send Jeff a little message and so, say, "Here's what the frozen here's noodles what are. it's called." <laughs> but it's really good, really good. I like that. Um, and I'm I'm a ham person. I'm not a big. I mean, I'll eat turkey. It's not like I don't like turkey. Uh-huh. My preference is ham, though. So I'm I'm a ham guy. You mm. know, I, I have always been. A you have to have turkey and dressing for Thanksgiving. I mean, that's just what kind of Thanksgiving was about. I married into a family that does not do that. They have amused me with that. I also believe you have to have pumpkin pie. You I know, like pumpkin pie. And then I also believe you have to have Dallas Cowboy football, which is probably the only thing I brought into my marriage that is still a part <laughs> of it. Uh, but, yeah, I like turkey dressing, mashed potatoes, gravy just all over it and you know those those cheap rolls that they come you know uh, that are like four segments i love those rolls my wife is a roll snob (laughs) and last year was the first time i introduced my family to cheap rolls is what we call i don't know what brown and serve i think is what they're the ones i like are they come in a a a pan in the frozen section oh. right next to the noodles, so, baby. So and Josh uh, is in. <laughs> you, you probably buy your turkey frozen too. Uh, I, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this. When you mention <laughs> potatoes, mashed potatoes, I actually prefer the instant mashed potatoes. Uh, you, you shared that with over us last the real week. ones. Wow, you know, I am a mashed potato snob <laughs> at that point. So, I, you know, I heard about this woman that went to buy a turkey for her family, and she was, you know, looking at all the turkeys, and I guess they didn't have the size that she needed for her family and so she asked this guy that was stocking the freezer said uh you know did these turkeys get any bigger and he said no ma'am they're all dead so (laughs) (laughs) what about you jeff what's your favorite side oh uh no 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 brainer uh deviled eggs 
Oh, oh. Eggs. Uh, gross! I can, nasty. I cannot no. get away from those things. Uh, <laughs> That's why you get in line first because people poach those. You know, I mean, they egg poaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my yeah, gosh! We uh, we we threw our own twist on it last uh, last year. Did buffalo sauce in the uh, mixture? Wow! Yeah, That's y'all haven't tried it. Go try it. That's that next worked. level right there. Sheesh. Well, so I hope that that has your taste buds going. We haven't had lunch yet, so now I am really <laughs> hungry. But I hope you're able to enjoy this on your lunch break. Uh, last week we started a series called "Creating uh, Our Future." Uh, one of the things that I have tried to make a habit is during the month of November. Uh, Look ahead to what God is calling us to do. And in the midst of what's going on in our church, you know, disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church, uh, affiliating with the global Methodist Church, we've applied for that. Uh, but what is our future and, and what do we have to do? And so this week the thought was, what are the expectations? You know, if, if we're moving into a new future, what should we expect of each other? What should we expect of uh, our church as we go forward? And this was one of those Sundays where I kind of felt like I, I never could find the niche of what I was really wanting to communicate. And maybe that's because there was a lot more that was there than what I knew I would have time for. But whenever we talk about visions, I had read in preparation for the sermon, you know, a, a guy said, basically, every church needs to have a vision or the church is going to perish. And the vision can be, hey, this is what God wants us to do. And here's how we're going to accomplish this, or this is what God wants us to do. And people don't know what to do. What what what's a strategy? How are we going to accomplish this? And so I gave a, a kind of a quote. It's it's not an exact quote, but the way I could remember it was when God's vision goes unfulfilled. Because some churches do, you know, if if they've got the strategy, if they've got the structure, here's how we're going to do this. Those churches seem to thrive. The churches that don't you know, really have all that figured out, they just continue to decline. So the the statement is when a, when a vision goes unfulfilled, that's not on God's part. Uh, the error results from a lack of human effort. So, um, you know, what what's going on? You know, churches, some start strong, they never get off the ground because people don't know what's expected of them. Yeah, I, I like to think of things practically speaking. And, and so immediately when you said that Sunday, I immediately turned it and I was like, well, it's our fault, right? Yeah. It's our fault. So what are... Yeah, I didn't say it that clearly, but that's yeah. really what yeah, I'm I mean, saying. That's, that's, if, if God's vision goes unfulfilled, God doesn't make mistakes. It's not God's right. fault. So right. what, what, practically speaking, is it that we are doing or not doing that results in his vision going unfulfilled? And I immediately started thinking of the lack of things. And, and Jeff, as we were talking earlier, had some thoughts of things that maybe are present that, that block that. But some of the things I thought of are lack of effort, lack of obedience, lack of boldness. Um, you know, sometimes we're just not bold enough. And, and as a result, God's vision may go unfulfilled. And, and maybe we're, we're speaking on uh, smaller terms, maybe not the vision of the church going unfulfilled, but if God's calling me to have a conversation with someone and I I do and I'm not bold enough or I choose not to, 
um, then his vision for that goes unfulfilled. And, and right. so I think we can even turn that into day-to-day what's going on in our lives, God's vision going unfulfilled. And the result of that could be because of a lack of passion or lack of time. You know, we're all mm-hmm. busy. We prioritize other things sometimes over God's vision, lack of commitment. But I loved what Jeff had to say. Jeff, uh, you mentioned uh, something that maybe isn't a lack of, but maybe something that's present in our lives that blocks that. And, and I loved your thoughts on that. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought of, kind of like you, when, when you first heard that was, uh, you know, resentment, you know, uh, yeah. sometimes um, just resenting hmm. either either uh, a relationship that you have or that situation that that's in or resentment, uh, kind of like uh, what Noah had, you know, not wanting to go and 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 share Christ. Jonah. 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 Not Noah. Yeah, but Jonah. Yeah. Two, two so, ships. Two ships. <laughs> right, right. Different seas. But but yeah, so things like that I yeah. I immediately thought of as as probably a barrier. Yeah, absolutely. Resentment, bitterness. I mean those things that we allow to fester and sit around and and uh you know, as a result, um I, I think have a direct impact on God's vision being fulfilled. So that was kind of where my mind went uh Sunday as you were um talking about that. I, I love I love that thought because ultimately it really is our fault. So where do we pinpoint the issue is so that we can address it? And and par- probably part of the reason I, I wanted to point that out is because we believe God is always faithful. If God says, this is what I want to see you do, God is always faithful. And if it doesn't happen the way the vision is, is given, or it, it, people are like, well, can I trust God? You know, God, you said this was going to happen, and it didn't happen. Yes, we can trust God because God's going to be perfect in, in how he does things. What we have to do is examine ourselves and see yeah. where is it that we have fallen short? Where is it that perhaps we really misunderstood what it was that, that God was saying? And, and and I think it's important to note, too, not in a, like, self, self-loathing uh, you know, putting ourselves down type of way of right. like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. It's all my fault. But yes. in just a self-reflection of saying, okay, where am I not aligned with Christ so that I can realign or align with him and begin to see God's vision fulfilled for the church or for my life or for my family or, or whatever it is. And I want to give an example of that. And, and trust me, I am not always the role model to follow. Sometimes I get things right. Other times I don't. In the church I was at before I came to Oklahoma City to, to come to St. Andrews, I, I was very clear with the church. This is where our church is. This is what God is calling us. Here's the word of the Lord spoken to us here is what we need to do. Here's what God's asking of us. And, uh, you know, I pushed that for the time I was there. And when I left, of course, you know, we, we were sad to be leaving that church, uh, glad to be coming to St. Andrews. People in that church were sad to see us go. And some of them said, the reason you're being moved is because we didn't follow through with what God said. Now, I don't know if that was true or not. You know, I mean, I, it, it feels a little self-serving to say, and they didn't get it right after I left that, that, certainly is not my thought at all. But people in the church said, we missed it. We had the chance to do it. God opened the door for us and we missed it. I mean, they took responsibility that the church had not done everything that it wanted to do. And so that, that really led into the quote. I didn't actually give the quote a while ago. I was looking ahead in my notes, but the quote I gave or somewhat of a quote was that a vision without a task is simply a daydream and a task without a vision 
it's burdensome. You have to have a vision for what's God calling us to do because that explains why we do the things we do. If we have the vision and no task, how, how do we pursue the vision? How do we accomplish that? But if we have a task and no vision, after a while we burn out, you know, why are we doing this? We don't understand this. It, it just becomes a burden to do something and not see right. any fruit. I, and I edited the quote, so this is uh, this is my quote. And I, this is good. I, I like it, man. I, I, every once in a while, I have a good idea. But I, I said, <laughs> a vision without a task is simply a daydream. A task without a vision is a nightmare. Um, because it, it, yeah. it can feel that way. If you don't remember the why and focus on the why, um, it will drain you. It will burn you out. And and something that you thought was going to bring you life and that you were excited about can can become a nightmare because you you just are, you've got the task, you've got this plan, but there's no vision. You you lose focus of mm-hmm. why am I doing this? What's the significance and importance of this? And it's really important um I've heard missionaries talk about this. It's really, really important when you're on the mission field because when you look all around, the need is always there. Right. The task is always there. Every single day there is a need. And I mean, I think the same can be true when we look at the church and our community. We look all around and, you know, right now we could we could pass out a thousand pairs of shoes during this Good right. Shoes, Good News. And there would still be people that Barefoot. went without shoes. Yeah. Right. We could feed um, thousands of people every day and there would still be people going without food. And so the task can become burdensome. It can become a nightmare if you lose sight of the why, if you lose sight of the vision. And I've heard missionaries talk about the importance when on the mission field, remembering the why, that God deserves worship from everyone, Mm -hmm. and allow that to be your driving force. Because if meeting people's needs become the driving force, if the task becomes the the driving force, then you burn out. Yeah. And because, again, it's a never-ending need. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes we think... uh, we're not really making a difference. And and at that point, we begin to lose faith because God's the one calling us to do this. We just do it in obedience, you know, talking about lack of effort could be lack of obedience. We right. walk in obedience and God brings about the result that God wants us to have. And so when, when we're moving into this new future of a church, we have this idea that God is calling us to affiliate with the Global Methodist Church uh so what do we have to do and one of the things that's been encouraging to me in response to um this idea is people are saying we feel like our church has more unity around a common vision than we've had in in some time that that some people wanted to come to our church they just wanted to participate but when we didn't meet their needs they were gone and some of them weren't quiet about it uh and we feel like we're now positioned to move forward better than we ever have because we have the vision. How are we going to accomplish this? And and I, I want to yield to you again because I can see when we talk about you've got to have both the vision and the task that you have a note that. Yeah, I also see it as the dream and the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I, I had these big giant dreams of becoming a football player or basketball player or whatever. And uh, those dreams go unfulfilled when there isn't a plan 
to mm-hmm. get there. You know, you can have whatever dreams that you want. You can have whatever vision that you want. But if you don't put legs on the ground, if you don't have a game plan, you know, if, if a coach went to his team and said, all right, we're going to go out there and beat them. The, the, the plan is we're going to, you know, the vision is we're going to beat this team yeah. by 100 points. Okay, let, that's great. But if you don't have the X's and O's, if you don't have the game plans and play calling and, and strategy, then it's not going to become fulfilled. Um, and so I, I love that idea of the dream and the plan or the task and the vision. Um, I think it's so important that you have to have both for sure. So you, you've been on staff about six months now. Yeah. And uh, pastor of discipleship was a new position for us. Gave you a very broad area. Uh, gave you staff to, to supervise. And we know that in coming here, you encountered things that said, oh, we, we need to improve in this area. Uh, so this is not anywhere in our notes. I'm going to catch Josh completely off guard. Uh-oh. Uh, but, but what are some of the things that you have experienced? And I've got one in particular in mind that you said, here's a place that we need to do better, which we're always seeking continual improvement. So it's not saying we're doing it bad. It's just saying we need to do this better. What, what are some of the things, if people said, Here's what I can do. Good. Here's what we need you to do. Um, the thing that immediately comes to mind is our sixth graders. Okay. Um, coming here, just talking with other people, recognizing developmentally where our sixth graders are in 2022, um, recognizing that we probably weren't meeting the needs spiritually of where our sixth graders were and felt like that we could do a better job of that. Um, and so began kind of dreaming and envisioning what that could look like and um, started putting some plans together loosely and had a plan that might look like this and a plan that might look like that. And where we ultimately ended up landing is moving sixth grade into the youth group. Mm-hmm. And so starting in January, they're moving into the youth group. And for those that live in the Moore area, um, that might be a foreign concept because right. in more public schools, sixth grade is a part of elementary. Right. Um, but as far as I know, in the metro area, it's the only school system that does it that way. And so began talking to other churches and reading articles on um, not necessarily following the plan of what schools do because they don't make decisions based on what's best. Sometimes they make decisions based on grants or building sizes or, or any of those things. And um, so ultimately that was what we decided. And so we're in the process now of putting that plan together um, so that in January when they move in, um, hopefully we're able to begin meeting sixth graders where they are and and, and um, discipling them in a better way than what we've been able to. And that's not to say that we've not been doing a good job right. of discipling our sixth graders, but I think that um, we're going to be able to do a better job job of that with this new plan. Yeah, we actually made a shift with sixth graders several years ago when they'd come to vacation Bible school. They were just bored. Yeah. You know, they didn't need to make pipe cleaner or Noah's Ark animals anymore or Jonah's Ark, whichever it was. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had them start being in mission. And and the point that I'm wanting help people to help grab onto here is you came in and, and you looked at this. And I think the question you tried to answer is, what is our vision for how we minister from birth yeah. through the last stages of life so that people can grow as disciples? That was an area you identified, different plans, which one's going to serve us best. And so what your you had the vision, your task was, how do we create the structure yeah. to make this happen? And um, 
one of the things we know, and this is true of me, it's true of Josh, it's true of Jeff, it's true of you, is you don't have everything you need. You don't have every gift you need to do this by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where I love the you know this vision that you cast Sunday. Uh, look, we all we've all got to step up. This isn't yeah. something that one person or a group of people can do. You you know this idea that well um, we need this done. Okay, well someone else will do that. And you know, I think you made the statement. Well, someone else is left. Someone else and, disaffiliated. Right. right. <laughs> they they and, wanted to remain part of a different. It's <laughs> it's that mob mentality when you have a group of people and you ask them to to do something. Everyone in their mind just automatically assumes. Oh well, there's 40 other people here. Someone else is going to do that. Right. And inevitably, no one does it. Um, and when we're thinking about the church and we think about spiritual gifts. Right, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up, encourage, and comfort the church. Mm-hmm. Right, our our mission is to make disciples of Jesus, and all of us are gifted in a way, uniquely gifted in a way that requires us to come together and work as the body in order to do that, in order to build up the church, in order to lead people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, because no one has all of the gifts, right, and no one has none of the gifts. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a part I always leave off. That's a good word. Yeah. And so it's important that we recognize that when we don't speak up or when we don't step up or when we don't serve, we're robbing the body of Christ of of that. Because no one else has the same set of gifts that we have. No one else has the same experience that we have. No one else has the same perspective that we have. And so it's important that we all come to the table, that we all serve together mm-hmm. um, in order to build up the church, in order to lead people to Jesus, in order to comfort the church and, and be there for one another. And so um, that, that mob mentality can be the death of churches when we think, well, someone else will lead that Sunday school class. Someone else will um, you know, help lead VBS or someone else will cook the meal, take right. out the trash, do, exactly. do whatever. And, yeah. um, and, and, and I love that idea. The example I think of is, is one of the things in ministry that I have never gotten used to. Uh, and part of it is it's, I'm just not gifted in this area is what we would call human resources. You know, yes, I, I have staff that I supervise and, uh, you know, we have to make decisions on it. It is not my gift. And we have somebody on our staff parish relations committee, actually the chair, Becky Payton, 40 years of HR work. We have leaned on her so heavily because that was her gift. And then, um, last night we had staff parish and we had to talk about insurance and pensions and, uh, Jim Corder, HR guy, his gift isn't what Becky's is. His is benefits. And so yeah. he, he led us through the meeting last night. And it's like, I, I'm so thankful that they have those gifts because the work they do is important, but it's beyond the realm of my you know, full knowledge yeah, and, and experience. And I'm, I'm really excited because we're going to offer a spiritual gifts class this upcoming midweek, starting January 11th, it's going to run for six weeks, and it's going to be a holistic approach to spiritual gifts. We initially had planned on doing two weeks um, this last semester after 
um, after the night of prayer and mm-hmm. worship and op- ended up after we thought about it some more two weeks, we just didn't feel like was going to uh, be able to right. uh, give adequate. us the holistic approach that we wanted where we're not just looking at our spiritual gifts, but we're looking at our experiences and our passions and where those three all overlap is kind of our sweet spot for ministry. And I think a lot of times we, we don't know or understand what that sweet spot is in our ministry because we haven't completely identified our gifts and, and really reflected on our mm-hmm. passions and experiences. So be looking for that. Gary, uh, who who is a retired clergy, came and led a, a class on Paul this last midweek. Um, um, session. We'll be doing that uh, class, and he and I have been talking and working on this and really excited about what that class is going to look like and do. And I think it's really going to hit on the practicality of this for those that are looking to get plugged in and begin to step up and serve in the church in a, a variety of ways. This is going to be a six-week course that really allows you to identify where the needs of the church are and where those meet where your gifts are and how the two can kind of mm-hmm. overlap. And and so I'm excited about that class. And, and some of those needs are uh, very great. I mean, you know, when we talk about the mob mentality, we do have to, it's what I call the announcing hope method. We have a need, we announce that we have the need, and we hope people will respond. We know sometimes you might get a little response, but you really have to have more of that personal interaction. But I also love it when people see it, it can just be the simplest need, something that is necessary that's easy to overlook. And and I'm going to give a shout out to one of our uh, most faithful listeners in this, Christy Sullivan. Christy worships with us at 815. And coming out of the pandemic, one of the things that we lost was our scheduling of acolytes. And there were a lot of 815 services. You know, there's one minute or less in the countdown. And it's like, oh, we got to light the candles. And Christy just took it upon herself to say, hey, do you want me to make sure the candles are lit before the 815 service. Yes, please. We don't even have to ask her anymore. She just knows the lighter's going to be here. I'll go up and I'll light the candles and, and I'll take care of that. Of course, now the challenge is we have to remember to blow the candles out <laughs> after that. But, you know, Christy, thank you for that. I, I hope that embarrasses you wonderfully that uh, I can lift you up as an example. But but we all have gifts and we all have places we can serve. Some things are great. Some things are small. You know, you you. you need me to pray before meal i got skills you know i've got experience you need me to do hr yeah who else can help (laughs) help with that and so these are tasks you know how the more you participate in this community of faith the more that you're able to do that the greater sense of belonging you will have in the church. And this is part of what we're looking at. God has given us a vision for going in a new direction. We understand there are people out there that are watching us. Do they want to come? And and this is a place where I struggled because I tend to be very tied to what does the Scripture say instead of just imposing my will upon it. And, and I think most of the time I do a good job with that. But part of what I was thinking is as we move forward, it's all of our responsibility to invite people to come. It's all of our responsibility to welcome people to come. And the part of the scripture Sunday, and it was Romans chapter 12, uh, if you want to look in there, I think it was verses 13 through 16, something like that, uh, is when it says, don't pretend to love people, really love them. And that is so critical for us. We do not want to be people that just say, oh, we love everybody. I certainly hope that's true. Some people are a bigger challenge for us to love because maybe they look different, maybe they smell different, maybe they believe differently. 
But how is it that we can really love people and not just pretend yeah. to do that? I think it's important. And I just wrote down as I, I'm thinking practically speaking, as we wrap things up, some of the things that I think of when I think of what it means to really love someone and not just pretend to love them is to listen to them is to be available to them, right? I I hear over and over, the best ability is availability. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you making yourself available to others um, to cover them in prayer? Are we lifting them up in prayer? Uh, That's a a great tangible way, a practical way that we can love people. Mm -hmm. Um, To actually show an interest in them and ask them questions, not just, hey, how are you doing? But really delve into asking questions about their perspective, their thoughts. As you get to know them more, more questions will come up and and really be listening to get to know them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because when people feel loved, when they feel like they belong, they're they're more apt to open up. And when they open up, that's when Jesus um, does this work of transformation in their lives. Right. And so that's a very practical way that we can love people. One of the things that comes to mind, I remember in seminary, one of our professors was saying, whenever you're ministering to somebody, whether it was, you know, in response to the sermon and you're praying with somebody at the altar or if you're working with students at camp, um, sometimes when people come up and, and Jesus is really dealing with their heart, they may say something and you're like, no, man, that that's not biblical. Let me give you another way to look at this. And what he said is, you know, there are times and places to clean up theology and the altar is not one of them. Right. You know, you accept people, you receive people. And, you know, that's one of the things I think churches struggle with today. We want to clean up people's theology before we get them connected. And and, and what you're saying is we, we all want somebody to hear our story. Yeah. Jesus just called us to cast nets. He just called us to go love, to to make disciples and allow him to do all the rest, right? We're just casting nets. Um, we don't have to get them all cleaned up before they can come to Jesus. Jesus will do the cleaning. Yeah, there's not a slot limit. I don't know if you watch Deadly Catch, but, yeah. you know, they, they get the crabs and they have to measure them. Right. And if they're too small, they have to throw them back. There's no slot limit with Jesus. Yeah, whatever absolutely. Comes That's up a good in the net, Whatever comes up in the net, he's, you know, we, we help those little ones to grow up. So, and then the last thing we just say, offer hospitality. Friends, when you come, we want to be a hospitable church. We want to welcome people. We want people to know we're glad you're here. We expected you. Uh, we rejoice that uh, Christ would bring people into the church. So yeah, that's, that's my closing thought. Quick announcement. There will not be a podcast next week. And so uh, it's Thanksgiving week. We're going to be doing various different things, celebrating birthdays. I know Jeff's got a birthday next week. Laura has a birthday next week. So DA's going on vacation. So no podcast next week, but you can always join us online or in person or on demand on Sundays. Worship at 815, 930, and 1050. The last two services are more modern services. The first one's more traditional. And uh, 815 and 1050 are online. We hope you'll join us and uh, have a great week and a happy Thanksgiving.